0: Welcome back to another episode of the Individuation Podcast. My name is James Miles, and we've got a great episode for you today. Today is episode four of our 13-part series titled, A Warrior Born, the reading of the novel by the author, Dylan Hanson. We are releasing it in a 13-part series being released every Tuesday and Friday. So without any further ado, Dylan, take it away. This is Dylan Hansen, continuing to read her book, A Warrior Born. Chapter 13, Kara. If the air wasn't so bloody cold, Kara would be able to breathe better. Maybe she wasn't cold. Maybe her lungs had frosted over and refused to pump the oxygen to the rest of her body. Maybe she would just die from that lack of oxygen instead of, reprim- instead of a reprimanding from Gisette. Kara's hand fumbled for the water pipe above, so thankful that it was there in the first place. Black spots danced into her vision as she scratched her finger over the falling board, desperately trying to prevent it from hitting the ground. Kara's fingers found their purpose and she hung there for a beat, catching her breath hoping no one was staring up at her from the hallway below. She knew the rain had been a bad sign. Kara wouldn't die if she fell, but she would cause plenty of noise, and that would be much, much worse. A hiss flooded out of the vent. Looking up, she saw Gisette's glowering eyes, reflecting yellow like a snake that was royally pissed off. Her tongue unfurled as she snapped at Kara, to get her redding ass up the vent and stop messing around as if hanging from the ceiling like a wingless bat was simply a fun nighttime activity ever so slowly kara brought herself up her arms trembling and threatening to give out under her weight placing the board back into its slot she slid onto the panel in front of it and released a breath she didn't know she was holding Kara didn't wait the few seconds she needed for her heart to quiet down. She trudged on and caught up, her limbs sluggish and drowsy, but moving fast. They had lost too much time already. When they reached the closet, all that separated them from it was a thin grate for airflow. Fifteen seconds. The three of them crowded around the gate, waiting, watching, their eyes all alert and ready. Another waiting game but this time their patience was short-lived. As if on cue, their target walked in. She was a spunky-looking thing, her curled blonde hair bouncing in all directions as she walked. Her eyebrows, however, were scrunched in concern. Her blue scrubs were baggy, weighed down by, se- by medical supplies, and her stark white doctor's coat read E. Saltano in dark cursive lettering. Kara took a deep breath, preparing herself, trying to untie the knot that had been strung up in her throat since the moment they landed on the hospital's roof. Evelyn Soltano did not look like she could do much harm to anyone, let alone the League, but this was a reaper mission, and as reapers, they were sent to kill, so this girl must have done something pretty awful to, t- to earn a ticket to death's carriage. Kara may not always agree with the league's methods but she knew they did not kill blindly she knew they would not touch innocence she wished she'd been assigned, assigned a phantom assignment where she could scare or even shape or she could scare or even a shapeshifter infiltration would should infiltration seems like it would be fun Anything but a reaper. With a twist of the wrist from Kara, Chloe removed the air vent and placed it next to her. Evelyn did not look up. She reminded Kara of an innocent little deer, unaware of the slaughter to come. I know you can do it, Meridian had said before Kara left, her face full of warmth her brilliant eyes pulsing as she flashed a silver-tongued smile i'll be waiting here when you get back she remembered their laughs how they touched their foreheads and shoved each other fa- each other's faces in teasing what would meridian think of this would she resist or would she deem it as necessary as her father did kara sucked in a deep breath bringing the chill of the vent into her lungs Meridian was right. She could do this. One by one, they dropped into the little medical storage closet. Chloe darted in between two shelves, almost too too fast for Kara to see. Evelyn Saltano, Kara whispered. Evelyn jumped, dropping a bag of tightly wrapped bandages. Her eyes were wild and frantic. Her lips trembled like aftershocks in the water, and Kara could see beads of sweat form atop her brow. Fear. That was what fear looked like on a normal person. Kara had never seen anyone in the league look like that, like the ability to live had been snuffed out, making her cheeks pale and clammy. Evelyn made a break for the door, but got knocked down by Chloe before she could gain any ground. Chloe wrapped her hand around Evelyn's mouth, muffling the scream that erupted from the woman's throat. Tears trickled down her face and rolled between Chloe's dark brown fingers. Her friend Kara's friend's face grew still as she waited for her to give orders. A mask so expertly made, it took Kara a moment to realize what it was hiding. What were they doing? This woman... Kara ignored her thoughts and focused on Evelyn. She had to focus if she was to get through this. The haunting presence of Jacette pushed her forward. Chloe palmed a syringe into Kara's hands. Her heart raced, knowing she held the power to end a life. She could drop the syringe, knock Jacette unconscious and run, and keep running until she was safe and free until breathing could occur without having to make sure she was allowed to. No, that would only end with her family dead, and herself either buried with them, or beaten to the point where she would never be able to see the light again. Kara fumbled with Evelyn's shoulder, studying the woman as well as herself. Chloe was beginning to strain under the doctor's weight. The league sends their regards, she finally said her voice as still as she could make it. Evelyn's eyes went wide. Kara didn't take a breath, didn't give herself the time to register, to reconsider as she shoved the syringe into Evelyn's forearm, emptying its contents into her vein. Silence. Utter silence engulfed her. Black spots creeping in and out of her vision. Chloe set a hand atop Kara's as Evelyn's pupils dilated. Tears dripping down her cheeks, she thrashed about, desperately trying to f- get free, but failing. Her movements slowed, and her eyes grew groggy. Evelyn grasped at the syringe, but it was too late. She choked, spitting a foamy bile as her lips as her, as her body went limp. Her features stark with questions and panic. Then her limbs slumped like a rag doll on strings but her eyes never left Kara's. They never closed. Life was supposed to be sacred and not taken lightly. The league may have been ahead on certain things, but it was clearly missing some key factors. Chloe set Evelyn's corpse on the cold hospital floor. Her limbs bent in unnatural angles. She did this, her first kill. Kara swallowed a bitter tangy taste. She just killed someone without knowing why, all to move up a level so she could go on another mission like this. It didn't make any sense. Who's to say Wes didn't just make her kill an innocent? So what if he was the Rex? Did that mean he was always right? We need to go, Jessette lulled, already climbing up the opening where the grate stood. Kara's muscles slowly grew tingly, like the shiver just before frostbite ensued. Yet she followed the others out of the closet, leaving Ele- leaving Evelyn's body to grow colder by the second, leaving another victim of the league to rot. Chapter 14. Ravenna. What the hell did you do to your hair? I yelled, crossing my arms and popping out my hip as I glared at the idiot in front of me. Laith, Yasan, and I were waiting just beyond the falls when Greyer and Aeon, Aeon came out, freshly cleaned and dripping with weapons. Smiling like a dumbass, dressed down in his leathers with his curved sword on his back, Aeon pranced towards me. His wavy hair cut short, so only a few curly wisps swept over his brow. "'What, you don't like it, Venna? he purred. "'Running a tanned hand through that silken hair, "'which was now half the length it was before. "'I scoffed, rolled my eyes, "'and adjusted the straps which held my spear to my back. "'It was my father's spear. "'Leopard's Bane, I named it since my father left it without one. "'It was beautifully crafted, "'the shaft wrapped in brown leather, with a half-sword's-length blade at the end, spikes like curved teeth jutting out of one side. The shaft retracted, allowing its length to be cut in half and fit perfectly along my back. I followed Yasan, who had already started walking away, making an obscene gesture behind my back. I told you to not call me Vena, I hissed. A humph was A.N.'s only response. Last night, we stuffed our packs full of food, clothes, and weapons. No doubt, A.N. put cutting shears to slice off someone else's hair. God help us if he got anywhere near gray or silvery white head. It was barely daybreak, the eerie blue morning falling through the trees and casting the world in in opaque shadows. "'You put her in a great mood. "'Excellent job, A.N.' Lath whispered, not so subtly as we trekked through the jungle. "'The silence afterward let me know A.N. was grinning from ear to ear. "'Do you do things just to annoy me?' I asked over my shoulder. "'No!' he winked. "'It's just a bonus that half of the things I do "'happens to annoy the living daylights out of you.' "'A cackle of a laugh spurted from my mouth.' as I flipped my braid over my shoulder, spotting him in the face in the process. Such dramatics, I mused. As if to reaffirm his dramatic tendencies, A.N. pulled out his curved blade and sliced back a low-hanging, thick and gangly vine. Landkeeper, he named his sword, so that every time he took up arms, he would be reminded of what he was fighting for. If I don't annoy the living daylights out of you, Then how come your cheeks flush whenever I start talking? The gold in his eyes flashed, and I pleaded to every god to make my cheeks go pale instead of pink, just this once. With a wicked grin, dragging my tongue along my upper row of teeth, watching his eyes as they followed the movement, I looped my feet under his, causing him to gurgle and crash to the leaf-spattered ground, my knee landing at his ribs with my hands around his wrists, did you get distracted AN, the man i know never would have let me drop him grayer chuckled from behind me who was in step and quietly chatting with laith they both stopped as their gaze landed on us grayer hiding a smile between her fingers even laith had a twinkle of amusement in his eyes AN's eyes were bleary and wide his fingers making circles on my forearm in a way that had me rolling out of his grasp. My cheeks flushed once again. "'Will you two shut up for the rest of the trek?' Yassan spat from the head of the pack, brooding, snake-like, and abominable. I resisted the urge to growl at him, brushing dirt off my leathers and winking down at Ayan before marching towards Yassan. "'Where is it that we're going, exactly?' I asked as he slowed his pace to let the others catch up. Once Ayan and Leith, who had helped the former regain his composure, were in spitting distance. Yassan picked up the pace and steered us out of the invisible barrier. The world flickered as if reality itself was crumbling. Then everything went clear, but only for a blink. When that blink was done, an, an expansive jungle sprawled out in front of me no different from the one we just trekked through, only now we were out of Itahad's borders and on the other side of the invisible barrier. "'The landing strip,' said Yasan as he guided us ahead. I opened my mouth to prod, but the knife-cuddler strung her arm through mine and whispered, "'I think Yasan is done talking for a while.' I looked to the guard, his stance as tight as a rolled-up pillbug. Indeed, I whispered back. Hours passed as the jungle went by. Idle chit-chat, the birds, and far-off growls of prey, the only sounds to pierce the canopy. When the sun was high enough to, mi- to bake my forehead into oblivion, the landing strip came into view. It was a bare, gray strip, long and disrupting to the greenery that surrounded it. In a far-off shed, Swarming with vines and bushes, commandeering the ground, lay a shoddy plain, half covered in moss itself. Oh boy, doesn't that look fun? Not sketchy at all, said AN, fanning himself with his dagger. You know you might want something to you know you might want to use something more effective to fan yourself, I retorted. AN's eyes fell to his knife, then to me, and mischief raced across his face. Like you he cooed. I tipped my head back and laughed at the sky. No, but you're welcome to get knocked on your ass for trying. Aeon simply wiggled his brows, rolling her eyes. Grayer brought out a blade to sharpen. Laith's eyes shot to Grayer and her knife as the stone slunk over metal in a screech. I thought you left that dagger at home, Lath said. No, I wanted my favorite one with me. Greyer whistled. A stone warrior and a knife cuddler who treated steel like gold. I shook my head and chuckled. That's really not important. Load up. We fly in ten, said Yasan. No joy or excitement in his voice. Only pure boredom. His haughty pursed lips told me enough about how fed up he's w- he was with us already. If he couldn't handle our squabbling in a large jungle... He was going to do great in a small plane with nothing but air to throw at us if we became too tiresome. We had to manually push the plane out of the ramshackle shed since the brush was hogging up the start of the runway. While Grayer pruned and pecked at the moss so it didn't burn up the engine, the rest of us hacked our way through the plants and vines, Anne squealing when a fat rat burst out of a hole. I had chuckled and burst with smiles. But then he threw a vine my way and yelled snake, which had me recoiling, then smacking him when I realized it was simply a plant. When the mildly green, white jet was shining in the oven of a sun, Yassan crammed himself into the cockpit, yelled at us to get our asses in the plane, and roared the engine to life. We always put him in such a great mood, I mumbled as I climbed in gagging slightly at the worn moss-covered sheet seats such a same shame there aren't any polecats in the vicinity the knife cuddler smirked she had helped me corral the little creatures and push them into yasan's house the thrumming beneath my feet was like nothing I had ever felt an animatronic roar buckle up yasan ground out groaned out, the only warning before we began to move. Aeon's hand shot to his seat, Lath looking like he might throw up. Greer's eyes were wide with excitement as she gaped at the window and the thrashing scenery. My heart rumbled. Fearful skips that sent me gulping as the plane gained speed. One, min- one minute we were on the ground, wind clawing at the, pale- at the plane's body, as we jetted down the runway the next we were thrust into the sky the ground growing smaller by the second it was utter freedom that thrum and roar utter exhilaration that slapped a giddy smile onto my face and made it so glee and made it so the glee burst from my mouth in little hiccups grayer looked at me the same expression on her own onyx eyes laith did not seem to agree His face sour. Though it was bumpy, the wind knocking into us as if it wanted to steal the plane from the sky, fear did not course through me, simply pure golden adrenaline. Hours went by, or minutes, I didn't know or care as I watched the jungle below turn into a river, then a jungle again. The canopy grew thicker as the plane rattled on, and so did my excitement. We were out, not only away from Jazara, but so far past the barrier I couldn't make out what direction it should have been in. "'Where is it we will be going?' asked Leif, who had his claws in the chair seats. I, Yasan began. A choking spurt sounded through the jet, the window suddenly fogging with a dark smoke. The plane churned and whined, my gut doing the same. The words shit and hell barely had time to fall out of my mouth as the plane suddenly veered down, aiming for the forest floor below. Did you not tell us this plane would be fun? I said to A.N., his arms clutching his chair, eyes wide. Sketchy and fun. This is really not the time, Ravenna, he spurted. As the altitude continued to drop and the spoke outside... The small window concealed the view of the canopy. I knew the the forest was beckoning, calling for us to greet it. And we would, for there was no force in the world that could stop that impact. Chapter 15, Sonara Sonara officially classified Aspen Drake as a bitch, if the flat red hair cut to the shoulders wasn't enough of a sign that she was born from hell, then her beady gray eyes sh- showed enough of the dark storm that swept her heart. Her gangly body that was more on the caved-in side of Skinny stalked towards Sonara in the fields, her skin as pale as death, as if, despite coming to Itahad three years ago, the girl had never seen a lick of sun. Sonara," she said in her posh British accent, which was filled with more contempt than the tissues stuffed into her bra. "'Come with me, we have guests.' Her face was gravel. Normally, Sonara was not so standoffish, giving everyone but Jazara wiggle room to show her who they really were. But not this bitch. No, she was a different breed entirely. "'I'm busy, Aspen,' Sonara said. Sonara had been rotating the crops all morning because someone had to. The League soldiers seemed to be more interested in standing around pretending like they look cool in their matching outfits, Ravenna had once said when she grumbled about how much Sonara was overworking herself. And Sonara had to agree with her sister. Aspen took one look at Sonara's dirt covered leathers and laughed, the sound being an, a song only a demon would know. Stop fiddling with that bloody stick, Sparky, she cackled, waving a hoe in Sonara's hand, waving at the hoe in Sonara's hands. Aspen called her Sparky because she thought Sonara had no spark. Sonara raged inside, taking the verbal beating when her sister would have cussed and spat. It was a taunt, Aspen thinking Sonara had no fire within her, and perhaps she was right. Sonara never acted. She never. She let herself be squashed. Wipe that dirt off your face and come with me. Personally, I see the muck as an improvement. Sonara's hands clenched tighter as her lip wavered. Unfortunately, Aspen continued inspecting the dirt under her nails. I don't think Jazara would appreciate one of his prized pets being presented to Wes's right hand looking the way you do. Sonara stopped dead, almost tripping on the hoe she had dropped. Sora Khan, Jezara's son, and West Throne's right-hand man. A demon of the League. What did he want with Ittahad? Ugh, <sighs> Aspen drawled, rolling her eyes. If Ilsa was here, I would have her drag you, but she was summoned to help clean the den for the new arrival. Ilsa, Aspen's little pet, that she liked to tell what to do. Elsa was a socius, smart and a well-enough fighter, but she was submissive to the feral snake that was the legatus, Aspen Drake. Move along, let's go, Sparky, Aspen said. If Aspen had not dragged Sonara through a patch of forest that sprawled out between Hajir and the fields, claiming it was a shortcut the farming grounds would have been down a path away from the den on the side of the mountain. But of course, Aspen chose the hardest way to pull Sonara through. In the clearing, the sounds of wind sung through the bridges connecting the treetop houses that no longer belonged to Sonara's people. Ah, Aspen groaned, the den is cleaning up. Sonara wanted to scowl but she simply clenched her fists and kept walking. She had been in enough situations where Aspen got the better of her anger. They never turned out well for Sonara. Aspen leaned up against a crate filled with the new stock of food which was to be delivered to cook. The League always went out and stockpiled meat since that type of food did not sprout from the ground. She was picking at her long, pristine nails, Chomping down on a ruby red apple, the juice dripping onto her chin and down her cheek. The sight sent a shiver down Sonara's spine as the redhead bitch smiled at her through the apple juice. Sonara then and there decided she hated apples. It was midday, so the sounds of Carlo teaching the youngings their schoolwork barely breached her ears through the thick stone dividing them. Others in the den were doing chores. Some, including Paxton, were working out with the League guards, getting tips on battle stances from some of the more lenient soldiers. This was their day every day, training, learning things when they could, and bowing to them, with occasional hunts and pit fights whenever Jazara felt antsy. There weren't many of the League soldiers, maybe 20 of them minus their leaders, "'Apparently Ittahad was not enough of a threat to garnet more soldiers. "'Paxton is looking sweet,' Aspen purred, "'following Sonara's eye to the sweaty, shirtless man "'whose rippling muscles glinted against the sun's brutal glare. "'The licking of her lips and the sucking of the juice in her fruit "'had Sonara thinking sweet meant something other than kind to Aspen.' As if Sonara's quiet snarl floated across the den and into his ears, Paxton turned his head, his soft smile lighting up his face. "'When are you ever going to tell him how you feel, Sonara?' Aspen laughed. "'Oh, perhaps I should break him in for you, or simply put him out of his misery, if you are the best this place has to offer.' She gestured around herself as if Sonara's home was a speck of dirt on her otherwise clean world. Bitch, bitch, bitch rang in Sonara's ears, overwhelming her senses and drowning out the sounds of the birds. She wanted to shrink and rage at herself for it being her first instinct. "'We are friends,' Sonara whispered. Aspen gave her a look that asked, "'Are you sure?' Sonara began to open her mouth. Oh, Aspen began to open her mouth, and Sonara didn't want to hear what would come out of those red coated lips. She thought she heard her name, thought she saw a strong body walk toward her, and was sure she felt a gentle hand on her so- shoulder. But all she could focus on was the delight that danced in the eyes of the woman before her Sonara. Sonara jolted. Paxton stood before her. A shirt tugged on, his eyes wide and swarming over her face. Keep my sister safe, Pax, was was what Ravenna had asked. Paxton was just looking after her. Sonara looked over Pax's shoulder and saw that the men he was working out with filing into his year. Talon, the league guard he was talking to, leading them inside. Talon was another legatus who was sent to Itahad, and by far the only one of them who had shown any flicker of kindness. The day, he, the day he came, Aspen had just kicked Sonara's hide in the pits, yelling that even though she never hunted, she should learn to fight. Talon came up to Sonara afterwards, when Paxton was dabbing the blood from her face, and said, "'You're leading with your right.' Is showing her your move before you make it. A few days later, he caught Sonara practicing with her chakrams and offered to help her. I'm fine, Pax, Sonara finally said when she noticed his glare at Aspen. Yes, great. The precious Sonara is fine. How lovely. Aspen took another chunk out of her apple, mangling what was left of it. Sonara kicked the the dirt at her feet. "'trying to look anywhere but Aspen. "'Did you drag me out here for a reason?' she asked. "'Aspen had the nerve to wink, "'a half-chewed chunk of apple in her gums. "'Aspen!' Talon yelled across the den. "'Stop being a bitch and get people ready!' "'With a growl and a few curses "'hidden under her f- a flippant gesture, "'Aspen threw her apple core at Sonara's chest,' grinning as she walked into the looming mountain which cast the den in a cool shade paxton moved to wipe the apple juice from sanara's leathers but seeing that it hit her breast thought better of it and dropped his hand talon walked up to them muttering you need to prepare your people Sora Khan is breaching the barrier sanara nodded she had no doubt that jazara sent ravenna on a mission conveniently when sora was to show up you know what ravenna would say if she saw this said paxton his eyes glued on the large cave's mouth where the shadows were shifting sonara tried to chuckle though it died in her throat why don't they bring out the parade maybe a couple streamers or red carpet for an extra touch she mocked though the light-hearted words did not sink well for her blood was trembling, her eyes straining to focus on the murky shapes coming into view. Brave the storm, she told herself. The waterfall was opening, ahead being exposed to the League's most powerful once more, to West Throne, the wrecks of the League, once more. Would there be a fire again, or would they all burn straight to ash? Sonara didn't know if she wanted to know the answer chapter 16 meridian the air smelled of pine and rose frosted over i shivered and thrust my body back under my comforter curling my toes to fight off the temperature my window was open it had been all night and my entire room was frigid because of it i scowled at the cold glaring from my bed as if the act would scare away the breeze kara had been off on her mission for three days Making me stressed every time I thought about her. She would be okay. I knew she would. I had already undergone tests to see if I could be a legatus, but not the final assessment that made me one. I was level 5, 16 years old, and ready to level up. It was most likely another test, this one to measure my patience. Patience is important, my little rose. It is a weapon as well as a skill, and it is necessary in every way. My mother always said, I didn't care for patience. It took too much time, which was why I never resorted to it. Pulling away the heavy red and golden bordered covers, I walked across my room to the open window. The castle walls, stone and rustic, stone and rust. sorry, <laughs> the castle walls, and stone were cold to the touch. I reached for the metal latch and pulled the window shut. I saw the hills that leapt out beyond Salus's bordering wall, the grass eating up the flowers in the valley below. A nagging feeling appeared again, an ever-present weight that lived in the shallows under my eyes. This time a thought came with it. What would it feel like to be out of these walls, to not be a part of the League? I shook my head violently and stumbled back from the force. I had to get my thoughts under control. Crossing my arms behind my back and stretching, a shot of pain slid across my side as quick as lightning. I didn't flinch. I just breathed it in. I controlled the pain, not the other way around. Elijah and I had sparred yesterday, and the battle got more intense than it ever had before so much so that my body was still sore from it. Blood had to be mopped off the floor when the match was over. I gashed up his head, and he crushed one of my ribs, but it was deserved. I had feigned left in a clumsy attempt to fool him. He saw my move and swept my feet out from under me, knocking my breath away and shoving my form into the hard floor. When he pressed his knee to my chest, compressing my ribs, I took the opportunity to grab his arm, tweak it across his body, and roll on top of him, pinning his face so that he could kiss the floor. I had pushed and pushed, stamping down his oxygen and almost dislocating his arm. The whole room went quiet. My father stood idly by. It was the first time Elijah and I had sparred while others were watching the only battle we had fought that actually mattered, a test and a declaration. Elijah's face had been growing purple under my fists, his veins bulging from his brow. I shook him one last time, cutting his forehead along the grain in the wood and sending a river of blood to my knee. Don't make me break your arm, Elijah, I pleaded. His whole body tensed. A quiet but gasp, only loud enough for me to hear, escaped through his teeth as he banged his head against the floor. It's echoing, disrupting the silence like sword cutting through air. My muscles relaxed, and I released him, feeling lighter but not in a good way. I had just beaten and humiliated my own brother. We both looked to our rex for confirmation. "'Our father simply nodded and swiftly exited the room, "'never one to stand on ceremony. "'But before the door shut, "'I glimpsed the wicked grin that graced my father's cheeks. "'I knew what I had just done "'and how badly Elijah would pay for it "'once Sora stalked over to my brother "'and ripped him off the ground. "'Sora Sora threw him out of the training hall door, "'yelling and cursing as he stormed out himself.' Each step seemed to say, his pain will be because of you. You, you, you. But what could I have done? It would have been me on the flogging post instead of him. And I had been chained to that bloodied erect slab of wood too many times to think with a clear head. The worst part was that Sora was leaving soon for a mission I had not known. And Elijah falling, failing was the worst send-off he could have gotten. Knock, knock, knock. I jerked my head up, coming away from my thoughts. Who is it? I grumbled. Your oh-so-loving older brother. How are you this morning? I froze. Elijah. A long pause ensued from either end, neither of us knowing what to say. I could hear his heels rock walk, rock back and forth in the hall. Mare... His voice was muffled through the thick wooden door. I don't blame you. Besides, I should be proud that my prick of a sister did such a good job. Slowly, I walked towards the door and swung it open in one brisk movement. Elijah stood but a step in front of me, clicking his tongue and not meeting my gaze. His lip was split but healing, the cut along his upper head taped his dirty blonde hair a mess. We control our pain, my father said many years ago. And my brother now whispered it like a prayer. I wanted to tell him that saying something over and over again did not give you the power over its meaning, but I let him indulge. Need something, Elijah? I asked. I merely wanted to check in. I smiled softly. And how are you? I asked. I asked first. Actually, you didn't. You posed a question and stated you wanted to do something. His brows scrunched, then he shook his head. That's besides the point. I rocked on my heels. I'm okay. A little sore, but nothing coffee can't fix. It's not a miracle drug, he retorted. Don't let Sarah hear that. I'm pretty sure she thinks it's liquid of God a minimum of 8 a minimum of 8 cups a day was her go-to. Elijah chuckled. Well, I have another mission to prepare for. A shadow shapeshifter, he said. I nodded. Goodbye, brother, I said. He bowed playfully and shut the door. As I turned around, I frowned at the state of my room. Your dresses should never be scattered with your swords, it's indecent, my mother always said. I usually gave her a disdainful glare, letting her know I didn't care if my daggers and socks mingled. Little did she know that when she left and asked me to clean, I just shoved them under my blood-red curtains, which guarded my balcony. I stuffed my feet into my fur-lined boots and stumbled into the family common room my nose following a faint smell of cinnamon sugar. I halted as I walked in on Chloe, decked out in her regalia and hovering in the doorway, brooding per usual. Her long, blackish-brown hair was down and hung in thick curls around her shoulders. Her dark, golden skin was pristine, and the sharpness of her crystal blue eyes made me want to bolt the other direction. Those eyes graced me, fixing on my face. Meridian. Chloe, what are you doing here? Don't you have some ant to squish with your boot? I glided over to the dining table, snatched up my glass of water, and planted myself on the counter, taking sips in between glares. So is Kara back then? I asked as innocently as possible. The shadow in the doorway nodded and rotated her dagger in her palm. We got back this morning. She should be in her house if you want to go to her. Chloe cleared her throat, a guttural sound that resembled a cat snarling. I wanted to... She paused, clicking her tongue. Check on you? She stopped. I snorted into my glass as I realized the shadow was trying to direct words towards me that didn't sound freshly from the sewers. You can come in, you know, I said, gesturing to the sitting area in front of me. Wary, almost hesitant, Chloe shoved herself away from the door and crept towards the chair with precise steps. Her eyes furnished the room, bouncing over every item like she had never seen it before. I heard you fought Elijah and won, Chloe grumbled. And, I asked, utterly unsure how and why this conversation was happening. I've seen you fight. You're not bad. Sloppy in some of your pudding footing. She paused, but not bad. I stifled a laugh and winced. Did that hurt? I said. She shook her head. I can leave if you if we're resorting to pettiness, Meridian. Slowly drawing out the movements, she locked her gaze with mine and finally sat. Careful, Chloe. You're starting to sound friendly. We wouldn't want the others to overhear. Her sleeves were rolled up to where I could see a small black line on her elbow from her first kill, and just below it was another line about half the length as the other, the skin around and puffy the skin around, puffy and red. I stifled a gasped gasp as I realized it was for the part she played on Kara's mission. Chloe marked herself. Taking half of the blame and responsibility. Even in death, life must be cherished. Maybe Chloe knew that more than me. Maybe I misjudged the girl. For the brief for the briefest of moments, a shadow passed over her eyes as she caught me looking at her kill marks, but she didn't move the cover of them. She simply leaned in, embracing every part of herself. You're the Gaddis' Tess is to come soon? she asked I nodded, resisting the urge to mess with my fingers why are you really here, Chloe? she sat up straight and crossed one lengthy leg over the other you don't know, do you? I asked she rolled her head to the side I was going for a walk and found my feet guiding me here I clicked my tongue, testing the waters. I think if we try not to disembowel each other every time we are in range of one another, we could actually get along. A sly grin, small but large for Chloe, spread across her cheeks. Yes, little Rose, I think we could. I chuckled. If we're going to be friends, then no, you can't call me that. She snorted, sheathing her dagger. Fine, then you can't call me the cat-like devil, either. I spit out the gulp of water I had just taken. You knew about that? I'm darkness incarnate, Meridian. I know many things people don't wish me to. I inhaled the last bits of water. She knew about that little retort, too. Okay, Chloe. I extended extended my hand out to her. To being friends. Her teeth sparkled As she took my hand, no hesitancy in the movement. This could definitely be a mistake. You know, this feels a little more like a business transaction. Chloe gestured to our entwined fingers. I nodded in agreement. Yeah, well, we have never been good at the whole friend thing anyway. With time, I think we can get there. Grin spread atop both our faces. We could cause some damage, the two of us, and if I could prove to my father that I could be heir, be Rex, then Chloe could be a powerful ally. Suddenly, I remembered the one thing my mother my mother told me about her home it We were allies, yet we all burned in the end. She had said, "I wondered what she meant: How could allies turn against one another against one another?" If the bond had been so strong, something felt unfinished when she told me this, like there was so much more that had happened, and still more to occur. But I couldn't think about topics no one would tell me about. I had to focus on my future, and the future of my League. Chapter 17 Kara. This just in, the death of Dr. Evelyn saltano has been ruled, ruled an overdose. Her friends and family gather around the hospital where she worked, saying farewell to a life that was taken too soon. The newscaster's mechanical voice cut out, and the picture shifted to a group of people huddled with candles, their shrouded heads surrounded by small, a small memorial, and Evelyn's face was plastered across the front of it. Kara wanted to throw her remote at the television. She did this. It was not an overdose. There must have been a reason. There must have been a reason. Kara jumped, her body flicking to the soft melody of a voice. Meridian stood in the shadow of her bedroom door, holding something behind her back. They always have a reason, Kara muttered, unsure if she could share her troubles with Meridian, the daughter of the Rex, the man who told her to murder a young doctor and a man she blindly obeyed. Kara shut off the TV and motioned for Meridian to enter. Her room was small, and was the, as was the rest of her house, but she had filled it with light. A peachy-orange paint covered the walls closest to her bed, thickly layered because she painted it every time her favorite color changed. Flowers bent over almost every surface. Flake, fake flowers she and Meridian had twisted around fake vines when they were younger. Kara smiled, a false beam, and Meridian could see it. Are you ready for your legatus test? Kara asked, trying to change topics. Meridian huffed out a blast of air, plopping down beside Kara and shoving her legs under the blanket. My father told me today that it was set, though he failed to mention when or where. She slumped, her eyes twitching, hiding the thoughts in the street in the sea of green and blue, a sea Kara could get lost in. Her friend was still pressing something behind her back, but Kara had not thought to ask about it yet. It will come, she said. She tried to hide the fear in her words. If Meridian's mission was anything like hers, then she tried not to think about it. Meridian was under constant pressure, the fear of failure or disappointment following her everywhere she went. "'I just hope I'm ready,' Meridian whispered. Kara caught a twinkle of distaste in Meridian's eyes. Maybe the daughter of the Rex had the same feelings about the kill mission as she did. Maybe Kara could tell her best friend how she was feeling without fear of being branded a traitor. Maybe. Maybe was not enough. "'I thought soon would have been sooner,' I already passed the first test, but the second... Meridian began. Kara wanted to tell her not to wish for such a mission, but how could she when those tasks were all they were trained to do? You are a lot younger than the usual Legatus age. Maybe they're just biding their time, said Kara. A smirk cost, crossed Meridian's face, and Kara went to, wanted to eat it up. Yes, but I am me. Meridian said with a grin that was riddled with gold. Kara rolled her eyes and bonked her friend with a pillow. Don't be cocky, mare. Meridian chuckled. Here, she said, from behind her back. Meridian pulled out two spoons and a pint of triple caramel ice cream, their favorite. Kara's mouth formed an O. Where did you get that? She asked, tipping her nose at it. We are isolated and hidden, but we are not animals. We are allowed to have ice cream, Meridian stated. Plus, Hattie the cook may have have a stash of goods that she shouldn't. Kara praised their cook for having a sweet tooth. Simultaneously, the two girls dug into their soft layered ice cream, watching as the caramel bubbled around their spoons. I love you more than I can say right now. Kara said between spoonfuls. The cold sweetness sang over her teeth, but she savored every mouthful as her spoon was licked until it shined. They spent the next hour laughing, watching trashy shows and cleaning out the ice cream container, all the while screwing around the topic of what Kara had done and of what Meridian had to do soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Individuation Podcast. A special thank you to Dylan for coming on. We look forward to part 5 of 13 coming this Tuesday. Tune in again next time for the Individuation Podcast for another episode soon. At the Institute of Conflict greatly appreciate all of you listeners. Please share the podcast with your friends and spread the word. If you would like to help expand our community, like us on Facebook and Instagram and give us a five-star review on iTunes. I'm Sonia Mahmood and you've just listened to the Institute of Conflict Individuation Podcast. We'll be back soon.